to Deeper Still, KPC's Advent Podcast. Uh, this is week four, where we're going to be talking about uh, our theme, Love All. That's Should great. we recap them? The first one was? Worship fully. The second one was? We combined week two and three, which was spend less, give more. Spending less so we can give more. Spending less to free us up to be less chaotic and more more worshipful. And to love all, which is our final, awesome. final theme. Yes, so today's theme is love. So, let me read to you from Matthew 22, 34 through 40. Very familiar, yet surprisingly radical. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. Mm. Whoa, that last statement is huge. So, we're talking about love. Um, always celebrating the world's love, you know, love, exciting, but being more specific today, talking about the love of God, the love that comes from God to us, the love we enjoy as God's children, and then that love that we turn and love the world with. So uh, that's the nutshell principle there. Um, so with this being the greatest commandment, it needs a little bit of our attention today. So let's talk about it. Um, the theme of love all. Yes, I'm, I'm actually thinking a couple of things. I want to go back to that scripture, um, all the all the law, all the prophets and the... Say it again. All the all the law and the prophets hang hang on, on these yeah. commandments. I want to go back to that, but but I think we should start by defining love. Okay, so what is love? Which answers the secondary question that Tina Turner asked: What's love got to do with it? <laughs> no, but what is love exactly? Um. Well, I mean, I think of the scripture. You know, greater love has no you know no man than would lay down his life for his brother. What is that? Greater yeah. love. Greater love has no one than this. That no he lay down his life. That he would lay down his life for his brother. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son for us. Um, the world will know we are Christians by our love for one another. There's a little theme in the middle of these. Uh, other love scriptures. Can you think of any others? God is love. <laughs> yeah. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Mm-hmm. I've loved you with an everlasting love. Yeah. Showing love for God is to obey his commandments. Mm-hmm. So here's where love pops out of scripture, and there's something in there when it comes to love. And um, it, I think it's just kind of set up against the world's idea of love, which is <clears throat> love is how I feel. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, love is the passion in my bones. Love are the warm thoughts that course through my body. Um, you know, love is the twinkle in my eye whenever I look at you, which is constant. 
by the way. I think even that you can fall in and out of mm -hmm. love, you know. Um, Which is the feeling, right? Of falling right. into the feeling. I've lost that feeling. Right, right. Um, so I think what we're saying is that love is a choice. Love is action. Boom. Love is not... A f it is a feeling and an emotion. It can be for sure. It definitely... Mm -hmm. and, I, and I think when you feel that emotion, that's awesome. But if we're talking about loving all, I don't think that generally <laughs> we're going to have that emotional rush of feeling to people that, you know, to strangers, yeah. to maybe our neighbors, you know, even, and even though we are called to love them, you know, we're not going to feel like we're in love with them, yeah. you know, the same way you do with a spouse or even your kids or, you know, love family, you know, friends. Um, so love is, is a choice. Yeah. Love is a decision. It's an action. Yeah, and, and that's the idea. You know, it's we, uh, in this culture especially, we just have this really messed up idea that if we hold something true and dear inside, it's true about us. Like the word belief. Um, we've talked about this in church before, how you know, we would say, well, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Well, why? Well, I agree with the facts that are presented. And mentally, I'm, I'm there. You know, I hold these truths to be self-evident in my mind. Therefore, I'm a believer. But Scripture really goes the opposite way, that belief is what you live. It's like if someone said, I believe in Jesus Christ. And everything in their life pointed otherwise, they would say, you don't believe, you don't even begin to believe that because belief is what you live, and the same is true with love. Right. It is, it, it's um, talking about action, that God so loved that he did something about right. it. You know, when you love somebody, you would do something, lay down right. your life for a friend. And that's the idea behind the theme is that um, Jesus Christ has set us free to love all, not meaning to feel just oh, I'm just oh, he's great and she's great and they're great, and but to move toward them, you know, mm -hmm. to do so, to show them, you know, mm -hmm. love is an action word, and that's right. that's really the, that's the whole principle biblically. Yeah. Love is what you do. Right. It's something that you do, and that's where the word compassion, right. you know, compassion is what love in action. And God, just, don't preach it. I'm okay. getting something to preach it. <laughs> just in thinking about the the pat the scripture, you know, um, that we just quoted, uh, greater love has no one than this, and that he would lay down his life. And I think we often think of Jesus, obviously, because he did literally lay down his life for us. There is no greater love than that. Mm -hmm. However, most of us are not going to be in that situation where we are going to have to make the choice to sacrifice our physical life for the sake of love. And yet, we are still called to lay down our lives yeah. daily for the sake of love. And it is a sacrifice to love. Ooh. It is a sacrifice on yeah. a daily basis to make that choice <clears throat> To love those who come across our path, you know, 
if they're in in an, in our life every single day or yeah. we just come across them, you know, once, you yeah. know, maybe maybe a, you know, someone who serves you in a restaurant, you know, to to it can be and often is a sacrifice and a dying to self to love in those moments. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think that's it. That word is really gets it. Uh, sacri- uh, love is action, and the action is sacrifice that we're called to. It is That's how we love the world is through sacrifice. So it could be stopping for 25 seconds extra in the grocery store line to just engage with the cashier. It could be to go with a group of people to help somebody in need. It could be to enter into conversation and really listen. You know, but there's it's it's sacrifice. It's going the other way. It's not necessarily stepping in front of a bus, taking a bullet. Right. But in some way, in the moment, we come second and the other person right. comes first. And that's the sacrifice of love. I love that. Which is often, I, I think a lot, often, often can be um, really the hardest sacrifices, you know, those daily dying to self, dying to what we want, to what we feel like we need, you know, our time, just dying to that, I think a lot can be some of the hardest yeah. choices that we make every day. But they're usually quick choices. Have you ever noticed, usually. like, you know, you're driving down the road, you see the person changing a tire, and you got a split second. So it's really it's a heart right. thing, like, my heart goes out and I pull over, you know, or... Right. Well, here comes so-and-so. Oh, gosh, they talk me to death. But in the moment, just stop. Engage. Right. You know, it's it really is a heart thing. And it's really, it's interesting how quickly I, for, just speaking for myself personally, how quickly I can justify <laughs> not making that choice, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah. Mom, come watch this. I gotta get dinner ready. You know, yeah. so there's always a reason not to right. help, to stop, to listen, to what to love. Right. Yeah, that's good. Okay, so love is action. So who is all? Love all. Who who's all? What do we mean by all? Everyone. <laughs> yeah. It's real all? simple. All God's children. Who is all God's children? Yeah. Every single person on the face of the earth. I was thinking. I just listened to a sermon yesterday, actually, and um, that Bethany sent me. And uh, the pastor was talking about that every single human being on the face of the earth is created in the image of mm. God. Every single person. We are all made in God's image. And so we are all children of his. Yeah, we in a all sense it's true. belong yep. to him. Well, I think I think it's Graham Cook. I could be wrong about that. But um I think he said it or someone I heard say say it. Um we are all God's children. We are all children of God. We're just not all yet sons and daughters. Mm-hmm. But if you think about it that way, and then the devotion we read this morning, um uh, in our Advent devotion, talking about that everyone that we encounter in some way is Christ. You know, 
thinking about, I mean, it's really sobering if you think about, you know, the passage in Scripture about the sheep and the goats, you know, and when he says, Jesus says, you know, you know, you visited me in prison, you fed me when I was hungry, you clothed me when I was full, when I was um, naked, you know, and they say, when do we do that? Well, you did, you know, whoever you did it for, yeah. you did it for me. We're as children of God, we all in, in some way represent Christ. Yeah. And so anytime we love someone, we are loving Christ. Yeah. We are, you know, I mean, in, in a very real sense, we are showing love for our Creator by taking care of one another. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and how much more when they don't know Jesus? Because just to be real clear, when we talk about children of God, I think we do have to start there. there. There's this problem we have of looking at people who aren't in church with us. Or maybe we know they haven't accepted Christ and we go, okay, but those aren't children of God. I think, I think we've got to be, really be careful there. And are we saying they're in heaven? No. Are we saying they're saved? No. But we start fundamentally, they, they are made in the image of God, crafted after God. God loves them with a passion, and He's leading us to them. And I think, I think holding on to that, these are children of God, it brings dignity and value and importance to the mission. I mean, it makes, it makes loving them so, so vital. You know, we got to do it. And two, I think, you know, thinking about how Jesus, you know, Jesus has a way of ruining things for us. And he really ruins the definition of, uh, you know, who, who we aim our love at. Because, you know, in that passage, he's being asked, I think it's in Luke, the, uh, I read out of Matthew, but in Luke, you know, after Jesus gives that incredible answer, you know, all of Scripture hangs on this one command. This is the greatest. You know, love your love the Lord your God and love your neighbors your, as, as yourself. And the, this l- religious legal expert goes, oh, yeah, well, who's my neighbor? Yeah. And Jesus ruins the definition by yeah. saying... It's a Samaritan. It's the guy you would pass on the street, the guy who's bleeding, the guy who's beat up, the guy who's a different nationality. He worships differently than you. I mean, he takes away every off-ramp to serving somebody by going, there you go. And so everyone is our neighbor. Yeah. It's Um, so, so great. Yeah, I mean, just Jesus didn't... he, He loved with absolutely no conditions. You know, I mean, it's hard. I don't know that I could even think of a, of a contact in Scripture that he had with anyone where there were conditions. You know, the woman at the well, Samaritan, a woman, you know, and he just engages with her, loves her, talks to her. I mean, at the end of the passage, you know, it says the disciples came back and they were astonished that he was talking, that Jesus was even talking to her. Yeah. You know, and yet he goes and stays in the Samaritan village then for, you know, we don't know exactly, several days. Yeah. He just hangs out there with them. You know, um, the woman caught in adultery. Oh. You know, he just... I mean, you know, we read that passage um, recently, too, about, you know, Jesus said, you know, or, um, yeah, it was Jesus <laughs> said, you know, I came, you know, John came not eating or not drinking, and you called him, you know, a demon or said he had a demon. I came eating 
and drinking and you call me a glutton because yeah. I'm hanging out with um, Pharisees, not Pharisees, I'm hanging out with tax collectors. and Well, he was hanging out with Pharisees, but hanging out with tax collectors and sinners and prostitutes. And, you know, he was just loving them with no conditions. Yeah. It's just like he doesn't have a circle, you know. You know, the, well, okay, who's in your circle? It's like he doesn't have a circle, you know. I mean, you're a rabbi, so you're not supposed to talk to women, one-on-one, especially outside in the temple. You're a Jew, so you shouldn't be hanging out with Samaritans. You're a holy man, so you shouldn't be talking to a prostitute. You know, you're ceremonially clean, so you should never touch a leper. It's like his love blows up all those rules. Yeah. It's like, you know, I always joke around with you and say, you know, I'm a rule follower. The rules don't apply to you. <laughs> <laughs> But with Jesus, it's true. It's yeah. like when the love of God shows up, all those, and they really are man-made rules. They don't exist. He mm-hmm. just, he will touch the sick. He will love the, you know, the sexually, the scandalized. It does, it, he just, he loves all. So what keeps us from doing that? Ooh. Well, I think, first of all, we have to acknowledge that we don't. Yeah. Because we don't. I mean, you've got, Jane's got this t-shirt, and it says, love thy neighbor on top. And in big, bold print, and then underneath it, it has all these, it defines the neighbor, like, love, love your... Love thy neighbor, love thy homeless neighbor, thy Muslim neighbor, love thy gay neighbor, love thy Jewish neighbor, love thy um, addicted neighbor, love thy Christian neighbor. <laughs> um, yeah, it's from, I feel like we need to give a shout out <laughs> to um, where I got Drop it. Drop the stones, Carlos somebody. Um, anyway, his website, right? Yeah, I'm drawing a blank on the name of his website. Anyway, keep going. Yeah, but I think we don't for a lot of reasons. You know, some is some of it's what we grew up with. You know, our, maybe in families we identify certain types of people as not good, and so that throws up a barrier. But there, a lot, there's a lot of judgment out there. I mean, judgment, you know. the I think when the church does too much of the, well, they're the sinners. It's those people. It, I mean, they're bad. They're to be avoided at all costs. Or when we reach out to them, we can reach out to them in a group as long as we make sure we tell them what their sin is, you know, as long as... And so I think there are a lot of labels. I think there's a lot of judgment. Um, I think there's a lot of fear. And, and also the anger. You know, I talk yeah. about that every time I bring it up in a servant. Somebody gets angry, which I think is incredibly ironic. But... Um, the, the church has become a very angry place yeah. in the 21st century, you know, whether it's Republicans who are angry at Democrats or, you know, um, uh, folks who are you're, we're, we're angry at those folks who have had an abortion or who have been addicted to drugs or who are sexually confused. There's so much anger. How are you going to love somebody you're angry at? And so the church has got to become a place. I mean, you know, the church should be a place. It should be where... Anybody could confess their sin, and it would just be the most welcoming, wonderful thing. I want to step out of this. I want to be free. But when everyone's got a mask up, and you know everyone's better, you know there's the culture of we, we're better than you, and that gets mm-hmm. bred in churches. You know, right, right. well, we're church people. We're better than the rest of the world. Um, I it just destroys love. And any des- any desire. Oh, you're poor. We don't love you. You know, you don't have your finances together. There's so many hooks that we just hang all this judgment. Um, Yeah. And we become the Pharisees in Scripture. A bunch of self-righteous, pious people. I think 
I think the main reason that we don't, acknowledging that we don't love all, is um, I think the main reason is fear. I think somehow the church, and especially the evangelical church, has become a very fearful place also, like you're saying, an angry place. But I think we've also become a fearful place. And somehow we have believed the lie that if we love Mm. unconditionally our gay neighbor, our homeless neighbor, our Muslim neighbor, if we love our neighbor without somehow also pointing out their sin, like we need to do that, if we don't do that, then somehow we are condoning their sin or somehow we are giving license to their sin. Somehow we are saying, you know, you know, it's, it's like love the sinner, hate the sin. We've become so focused on the sin, you know, that we can't, we just can't love. And, and also I think we're just, we're way too focused on the fact that they're sinners. I mean, we're all, we're all sinners, right? We're all broken, whether we're in the church or out of the church. We're, we're broken, but we're so focused. I don't know. We're just, I think we've become so fearful of that. Like I can't, I can't love period. I have to love and let me add something onto that. Let me love you, but also I need to tell you that you're wrong. Like, (laughs) and I just think it's fear. I think somehow we're afraid that we're, you know, we're sending the wrong message or something. It's, It's just, it's really crazy, but I mean... It's kind of that circle the wagons mentality, you know. I mean, we homeschool, so I feel like I can say this. But, you know, I think a lot of people homeschool out of a fear of the world. Well, if I let my kids go to public school where they're going to be uh, in touch with, you know, all of this, you know, influences that are not godly. They're not godly, but... If I, if I allow that to happen, then, you know, bad things are going to happen to my family or whatever instead of, so we circle the wagons, you know, you know, we, we kind of get everybody in and let's stay inward focused. And if we're inward focused, then we're focused on the right things. I mean, we've just lost sight of the whole reason that we're even here, the whole purpose that we have as sons and daughters of God, which is to love his creation. And you can't love something that you're afraid of. You can't love someone if you're scared of them. You can't love a person or a community or be a part of it if you are feeling the need and the drive to constantly point out their faults and their sins. So you just went right ahead and took the can right off the uh, lid off that can of worms. Um, no, and and I think most Christians feel this that there's like this unwritten rule that we have to really lead with 
a heavy, judgmental, condemning sin lecture when we deal with people. Like, it really is part of our job to make sure people understand that they are sinners. But I think you're right that, you know, a lot of times it's if we don't talk to them about sin, we're condoning. Right. You know, we got to get it out there fast that, you know, what you're doing is wrong. Here's why it's wrong. Here's what the Bible says about it. Um, and yet Scripture is so clear that we're not the judge, that it is the kindness of God that leads to repentance. Um, and, and just that if we really loved someone in Jesus, do we trust God to touch their heart and that his, his love would make the scales fall from their eyes? And I don't think we do. I think so. I think we're really caught in this place of, um, you know, or if we're talking to somebody, we need to add that we you know, and but what they're doing is wrong. We're just really caught there. There always has to be that yeah. that kind of, yeah. So it's love and not just love, period. Yeah. And you're right. Like somehow we, and it would be, maybe we should talk about like because I I, did, I think it's fear, but I'm not really sure what we're exactly afraid of. But I do think it's it's a fear of, it's fear. Like, I think that's what it is. Um, but um, I just lost what I was going to say. Well, I, I, think, <laughs> I think it can be. I think some of it is that we, we lose the fact that it is the Holy Spirit's job to convict. Right. We, cannot con- we can't convict the world of sin, just like we can't save the world. And... Can we dare to be a people that love so fiercely and lavishly and outrageously that people come to Christ? I remember when I was in, a, in a NASCAR, I was up in New York and Dover. Well, that's Delaware. Yeah, so I was in Delaware, and we had an incredible chapel service, and most of those chapel services were open to the, to the community at large, so you'd have fans who had paid high-dollar tickets to get behind the scenes. And we're, so we're holding this chapel, and the kids of MRO get up and they sing this song about Jesus loves me. It was really kind of corny, but it was real sweet. <laughs> so they sing about God's love. And I got up, and the subject that week was just the love of God. And, and so I'm just preaching about the love of God, and God loves you, and he wants you to be his beloved. And this dude breaks it. He's a, he's a fan. He's tattooed all over the place. Breaks out crying, runs over the fence. He's hanging on the fence and just crying. And so afterward, me and another guy walked over there, and um, we were like, dude, are you okay? What's going on? And he just said, all I heard was the love of God. And I just was so convicted of the sin in my life. He just got loved. Right. And the conviction of God fell on him. And he, he just, I mean, he, he's confessing all this stuff. But nobody told him he was no. a rotten sinner. Nobody had to sit here and go, and you with the tattoos. You look like you just crawled out of a beer can, buddy. You know, <laughs> there was none of that. We just, it was one of those loving services and the Holy Spirit convicts him. He just, the love of God, the kindness of God, led him to repentance. Well, I mean, and I think that's got to be the church. I yeah, think we got to get there. Right. Because, okay, so who would you rather hang out around? Someone who is just loves you and is kind and is, is generous with their time and their affection and are not lecturing you all the time about, you know, I mean, would you rather be around those people or would you rather be around people that are constantly... Saying saying that they love you, but pointing out, yeah. you know where you're screwing up. We know where we're messing up. We know, 
We don't need people to tell us that. When I was a sinner, I could list them all in one right. second. And I felt when, them all. Yeah, but, but it's, you're, I mean, it's. Give me something greater. It's yeah. So, yeah, and and the greater is the goodness and the grace and the kindness of God. Because you're right, it's the kindness of the Holy Spirit that leads us to convict, to repentance. And it's his job to convict us. But we fall into that where yeah. we feel like we've got to make sure that people understand. Um, and I know there's a place for picket signs. I guess you know there's a place to there? <laughs> there's a place to take a stand. I guess there's a time to do it. But to go out to those who are caught in whatever it is we're protesting, you know, go to the people over it and talk to them. You know, take your stand against those who make legislation. But when you're in the war zone and they're victims of sin lying all around you, <coughs> to sit there and tell them how stupid they are for taking these bullets, or it's just madness, you know, it just doesn't work. But for them to run into, you know, for them to have an experience where they're saying, oh my gosh, no one's ever talked to me before. Look how joyful you are. I can't believe you're investing in me. You know, you have so much in your life and here you are washing my feet. That's where people step over the line into the kingdom of God. Uh, here's a, another quick story. When I remember when I, I was in um, in seminary, I worked in the mail room. And the girl who was over the way uh, the the mail room, the woman, she was probably the meanest person I ever knew. She was just belittling, you know, she she would call people names, she snapped at everybody, and people would quit. And I'm, this is seminary students, okay? People would quit. People would call her a this or that and walk out. I mean, she got back not as much as she gave because man, she she was a she was like a bazooka of destruction and pain in people's lives. But she got a lot back. And I remember I worked at work there, and I was like, God, I'm quitting. I can't take another one minute of this woman's abuse, her harassment, her belittling. I mean, who is she to talk to me like that? And I remember the Lord said to me, spoke so clearly. And I said, I've tried everything I can with this woman, God. And the Lord said, yeah, everything but loving her. Mm. And I knew in that moment I had a new assignment. It was to go in there and it was to love her. And so I gathered the other employees together and just said, we, we've, got, we've got to turn this thing around. If we want to all quit in a month, fine, but we, we need to love her. And everybody was like, okay, fine. No matter what she said to do, we were like, okay, we got it, yeah, with a good attitude. Um, you know... We began to do what she said because she was in charge. We began to sing and hum and whistle while we worked. And, you know, even amidst the be quiet, you know, we would just do it. We just got joyful. We started loving her. And in, in the gaps of activity, we would talk to her. How's it going today? Tell me. What's going on? Oh, my gosh. That, you know, it would always be negative. Oh, gosh. Well, man, I'm really going to pray about that. Or, golly, I'm sorry that happened to you. I have never seen such a radical turnaround in my life. Mm. She moved from being the most hateful person I'd ever met to not the most loving, but she completely, yeah. the script completely flipped with yeah. her, and it was nothing but un unconditional love. We just stopped fighting back. We quit, we quit giving it to her. And it just goes to show you the power of love, and that's all we did was we yeah. loved her. So I think, I think what we're saying is that we just don't trust the Holy Spirit 
<laughs> to do or the power of God's his love. job, the power of God's love, the whole, the power of the Holy Spirit, grace. I mean, I don't, it's so interesting. We're so I think that the evangelical church and I know I keep, you know, harping on them, but I do think it's mostly the evangelical church, which we are a part of. It's <laughs> us. And, and, you know, um, they, for some reason, grace is such a, you know, it's a, it's a scary thing to think that lavishing grace and love on people will actually do the very thing that we desire and the Lord desires, you know, rather than, you know, that that's that's the yeah. that is the the remedy to the world's problems and 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 to our problems it's just radical grace mercy and love not saying that we love them but you know really preaching at them or ignoring them or being afraid of them or circling the wagons so we can't you know but what's so ironic about that is that when we love all of those conversations are going to happen anyway you know when you love someone who is in a place of deadly sin because all sin is deadly and you love them you're going to have that conversation about sin down the line, right. you know, because, well, what is the joy in your life? What's the peace? Right. You know, hey, you know, I've, golly, since you're here, since you've stepped toward me and we've come into this deep friendship, let me talk to you about my life. Right. Those conversations always happen anyway, right. you know. Um, and, well, here, here's one other thing. Let me take a can off another, because this, this wasn't in the sermon this week. But it, it, it is that, especially for church people, love begins at home. You know, you're going to live out there what you do in here. And I think too often in churches, um, that the kind of love it is not present in church. Like whether you think of the kind of church where, you know, people, we honor God with our lips and we rip our leaders to shreds. Right. You know, or um, we worship beside someone in a pew and then we turn around and when they're not around, we have a conversation about what's really going on in their lives. Um, you know, it's, it's one of the reasons why church was so unattractive to me as a kid, uh, because we would say and hear one thing and sing one thing, and it wasn't true. It was like, these people are a bunch of hypocrites. Right. Sometimes that's not an out clause, like we say in the church, oh, well, that's just an excuse sinners make. Sometimes it's really true in the church. Yeah. So if love isn't present in the family, it's not going to be extended from the family to the world. My mom used to always say that to us when we were growing up. It doesn't matter what you do out there if what you're doing here is, you know, like you can, if what you're doing here isn't loving and kind. She was like, it, that doesn't matter. It doesn't count for anything. Yeah. If it starts here in, in your home. She used to say that to us all the time. And I do think that there's truth in that for sure. Mm-hmm. It's just something to think about, you know. At least. No, it's it's true. <coughs> I mean, it does matter. Um, I just had lunch with some friends, and um, we were talking about some of this stuff, actually, too, about loving, and then how do you do that with boundaries also. But that's a conversation <laughs> for another time. But one thing that... Um, one of them said was that, you know, I'm always talking about there's room at the table for everybody. Um, but um, that actually 
which I do miss one of my favorite themes and one of my favorite things to talk about is that there is room at the table for everyone. And, um, but that actually comes from a story, um, a really good friend of ours, um, who was struggling, uh, with homosexuality and was living in that lifestyle and, um, someone, a good friend of hers called her and I don't remember exactly how the conversation went, but this friend said to her as she was confessing, said to her, you will always have a seat at my table. Mm -hmm. And that is what broke her. That is what that one statement just broke her wide open, you know, and she was able to come back you know, to the Lord and to church, <laughs> but mostly to the Lord because she knew she had a place at the table. Mm. And I think that is so, I think that is the most powerful thing we can do with anyone is to tell them that they have a place. No matter what, they have a place. They're loved radically loved yeah i mean it's the you know we it's the graham cook word which i know a lot of people know and if you don't know it you should google it and listen to it's it called the inheritance the inheritance but this prophetic word that he gave which is and in the in the prophetic word he says god you know is saying even if you have no intentions of getting better <laughs> i will still love you because that's who I am. That is who God is. Mm -hmm. He is love. He can't be any different. Yeah. He can't be. And even, I mean, our best efforts to get better and be better are, are never good. I mean, they're filthy rags anyway, right? But even if we're not trying to be better, even if we're happy in our sin, He is still going to love us. Yeah. Mm. Come on. Preach. So... So going back to um, this, all hangs on the love your love God, love your neighbor. All the law and the prophets hang on that command. That's what the whole book is about. And you know, when when you think about it, what he is saying to the Pharisees and the Sadducees who are still listening in on this is he's saying. Um, uh, loving God with all that we are and loving our neighbors ourselves, that is the unifying principle of Scripture. You know? You can, uh, you'll never understand the Ten Commandments until, and if you don't get that. You know, what does Paul say? I could speak in the tongue of men and angels. I could do this, that, this, that, that, that without love. It's nothing. And that's the point Jesus is making here. That's how big the love of God is. And... Um, you know, I think, too, in the 80s, you know, the seeker, seeker church model, maybe it was the 90s, just took a blow. You know, just took such a big hit. Oh, there's too much grace in the church. You know, well, there's not enough preaching of sin. The church has become, the church cannot become too, too full of grace, the grace mm -hmm. of God. Mm -hmm. It can't become, um, you can't get to the end of it. Mm -hmm. And we could spend a lifetime throwing our arms around the love of God and we still probably wouldn't we would still wouldn't even be close right. you know 
And um, thank God there are churches out there that are daring to do that. Yeah. You know, maybe we meet one of them. Yeah. So everything we do is means nothing and counts for nothing unless it's done yep. in love and for love. For the sake of love. With love. Yep. There love, you go. Love all. Exciting and new. <laughs> Come aboard. There you go. All right, well, thank you for joining us today for Love All. Um, you can also go back and watch the sermon on that that. Uh, topic because it uh, we cover everything we do here is outside of the sermon this is extra stuff extracurricular thoughts and ideas and prayerful musings um, you can also go to adventconspiracy.org which is um, where we got our themes from this year it's kind of a connection we made and dig a little deeper yourself you can also come and join us uh, for KPC 2019 which is going to be a whole bunch of new stuffs and themes and we may even podcast a little more yeah oh, well maybe. there's a delay maybe not <laughs> we're gonna talk about it yeah where the podcast is going we haven't made any final decisions but until then we love you all <laughs>